Praise God. So, hallelujah. So, we've been uh, listening about harvest time and Bishop Josh, who is away this weekend, he's, he talked about planting, amen, How can you, that you can escape a natural harvest season, but you cannot ex, uh, escape a spiritual harvest season, amen? And so which, which season should you be harvesting? The natural one or the spiritual one? Well, don't, you don't have to answer. Okay, it's, it's food for thought. Okay, um, and so, uh, and Pastor Pedro, he talked about reaping the Lord's harvest, amen, and judgment upon the earth, okay, um, and the Lord's returned, and so I'm going to share my testimony, I know that I've shared, I have so many stories, I'm going to write a book one day, but um, the Lord works through prayers, amen, and so I, I am healed, hallelujah, and so um, what, what brought to my, uh, the Lord brought to my attention was the fact that when I, I ran away at the age of 18, my father was coming home from his third secular program trying to be sober from alcohol and everything else he did. And when he came in with his bags, I walked out with mine. And I went to go live with my husband's uh, boss's mom. He, he worked for a... a a man who was Italian, and so Frank and Yvette, and if you're listening to me, and even um, Rosa, thank you, Lynette, it, it's a year this month that he passed away, but he was my spiritual father. He led me to the Lord, that although I, I ran away and I lived with his mom temporarily for several months, trying, working at Hancock Pharmacy, going to Housatonic Community College, and um, I ended up going back home because Angel and I decided to get married, and I, we needed to prepare for that. And at the age of 19, it was a whirlwind. Now, mind you, I grew up in Pentecostal Church, and, and so I knew of the Lord, and I was starting to seek God while I was dating my husband, but I, I told, I made this inner promise, Lord, I promise to serve you after I get married. <laughs> I know it's funny, but it was hard. <laughs> it was so hard that three months later, I really wanted a divorce. I was so miserable. I mean, I had to learn how to cook, something I never had done, because I was involved in extracurricular activities, and I used to play sports. I played basketball, I played softball, and I was never home, so when I came home, the food was already made. So to get married at the age of 19 and to learn all that stuff, we lived separate worlds. He had his own set of friends, and I was stuck at home, feeling like a slave, mind you. But that is the worldly thought, right? That is really a worldly thought. But I knew enough that no man should put asunder what God put together. And so I struggled, and one day we were having this huge discussion about uh, getting counseling that he refused to attend. And his boss, uh, mind you, I lived with his mom who was Czechoslovakian, wonderful lady. Now, mind you, talk about not knowing how to cook. Listen, I'm a city girl. I grew up in the projects. I didn't even know how to, I didn't even know how to do tea, okay? I mean, that's, that's, that's far-fetched, but that is true. I mean, he can tell you, Angel laughs about that all the time. They tested me. They asked me 
to make them some tea. I went to the kitchen, and then I asked them how many bags, and they said three, you know, on purpose to see if that's how I was going to do it. But anyway, that didn't pan out too well because they were watching right over my shoulder, me doing it and, and laughing at me. Um, so Ralph uh, passed away about a year ago today, and here am I sharing about him. Because when we were struggling in our marriage, at the age of 19, I got married. By that time, Angel was 20. He thinks he raised me, but he did not. Um, he walked in after a huge discussion and said, you know what you need? You don't need a counselor. You need Jesus, the counselor. And he introduced us to Jesus, and everything he shared made so much sense that I decided to start going to Bible study. And I went to Bible study, and I learned, and I learned, I even learned because I was pregnant at the time about baptism, that my daughter was going to get dedicated to the Lord. So I walked in through these doors when my daughter was two years old. She's 38 right now. And we've been married for four years, 40 years, but it's only through the grace of God. Amen? Because I was lost, but I've been found. Amen? See, accepting Jesus in my, in my heart as my personal Lord and Savior was that piece of puzzle that I was missing all along. Amen? It gave me a reason to live. Do you know what it's like to not just because I... Listen, good people live in the projects. So let's get that, you know. And so what was, what was happening in my life was my hostile home environment. At the age of 10, wanting to cross the street and hoping that I can get in front of that car so my life could be over. I mean, I know what it's like to see somebody get killed right in front of me in my, my parents' home because it was a home that carried weapons that shot out the window, shot at each other if you had a fight, you know? Um, so it gave me a reason to live, and many live their life the way they want to, not necessarily because they really want to. The problem is that they don't know how to live it better. So they become dreamers and wanderers, because I used to say to myself, what's going to happen? When am I going to get out the projects? I hated that place. There was so much crime, you know? I, I hated putting down that I lived in Father Panic Village in my application at the age of 13, my first j summer job as a camp counselor. So that does a lot, right? When you don't have the guidance and direction, it does stuff to your self-esteem. So you, who you see, I was very shy. Don't talk to me when I was young. I didn't even like boys. Okay? I would say yes, and then I quit the very next same day. You know, no, I don't want, I don't want a boyfriend. So, um, until my, I met my husband, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I tell you, if there's anyone who can give life and meaning to life, it's Jesus Christ. Amen. He has made my existence here on earth meaningful and impactful, both uh, to my family, to myself, my family, and those around me. You know, it is no one other than Jesus my Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior, if you know him um, this morning. So he's also been my peacemaker. He's given me access to um, experience more of his love, all right, to really know what pure love is, to walk in this church and, 
and be and um, be hugged and loved and say, that's strange, because I didn't get that growing up. The only time I heard my father say I love you was when he was drunk. Okay? So he's given me freedom also from shame and guilt. Okay? Um, the Bible says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. You see, not only did he save me from sin alone, but the power of sin and death through Jesus Christ. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, okay, he secures our life and our destiny. Like, I am fearless. When I tell you that I am fearless, not only has God given me boldness and confidence, but I am fearless. I'm not afraid anymore. I feel safe in his hands. I know that my life is in his hands, and I know that God is in control of my life. I'm, in a, I'm, I'm at a point in my life um, that I, I don't look at life the same anymore like I used to. It's only by the grace of God, okay, uh, that my life has evolved because I can't save my own. And all I know is that I can't do nothing without him. Even if I try... Even if I try to do something and do it without him, it is nothing. No matter what you make or, be, or become outside of Jesus Christ, it is as good as nothing. You hear me? It's all about Jesus when you give your life to Christ. It's about giving him glory and praise, amen? And so that slide that I gave from Luke 10.2 It says, I'll read it anyways, from Luke 10, 2. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send co-workers into his harvest field. So the essence of my message today is that God is love and that he loves you. He loves us. He loves everybody. He loves the person down the street. Amen? He is moved when he sees the struggles and the pain that we feel when he understands us. Okay, and that's what makes this passage so powerful that they don't have. But it's okay. You should have your Bibles or at least turn to that scriptures. Amen. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, if we say love God, it's time we realize that we need to start showing it by loving other people. Because if you say you love God and you don't love people, oh, there's a disconnect somewhere. Right? Because God wants us to love people and demonstrate it through servanthood. Stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus and we want to thank you for today. We thank you, O oh Lord God, that you are present, O oh Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And I trust, O oh God, that you would open our eyes and our minds, O oh Lord God, so that we can see the beauty of your law. God, that we will be witnesses, oh Lord, God, effective witnesses for the kingdom of God, that we, we will be laborers, we will be workers for, to the extent, to extend the kingdom of God. And God, it's all about our heart condition. So I pray in the name of Jesus, oh Lord God, that as we hear your word, oh Lord God, that we would check ourselves, that we would do inventory, oh Lord God, because time is short. The harvest is here. 
but the harvest is coming. And God, you want us to prepare our hearts, oh Lord God, to be servants, oh Lord God, in the kingdom of God. And we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. So I'm going to be reading a passage from Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I know this is a short passage in the Gospel of John, but it is so, I'm sorry, in the, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, um, but it's so powerful that we can see what Jesus is doing. This is a perfect picture of what God is going to do, what God wants to do, and what God has called each and every one of us to do. It's not about being in evangelism, to be part of the harvest field. But as we heard time and time again, that what you sow is what you reap. What are you sowing? He's called us to reach the lost and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is going around teaching the people, preaching the good news and healing them of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases, just like he healed me. Amen? He's all about the kingdom work. He demonstrates that in verse 35, he said he went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Okay? In verse 36, he is revealing his heart. It says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were his disciples. I'm sorry. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, the Israel, the Israel leaders were harassing people to do this and not do that. In, 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 um, in, pre, in reference to the observation of, of the Sabbath day, right? What happened on Sunday? People get healed, okay? People get healed on Sundays. And so they, they were feeling harassed, amen? And so... Just, just understand that he was going around teaching the people, preaching the good news, and healing all of them of all kinds of sickness and diseases. And so here we, he is revealing his heart as a kingdom worker. It's about the condition of our hearts. He healed people of leprosy in the Bible. He calmed a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Amen. In Matthew 8, 14 through 16, he cured Peter's mother-in-law of sickness. The Bible talks that she may have had a fever and, 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 and perhaps malaria. He cast out demons, okay? He healed the blind and the mute. He even raised a little girl from the dead, just like Lazarus. So what does God require of you and me? The three things that I'm going to touch on is that you will keep his covenant, that you will pray more, and that you will love more. 
So what is a covenant? It's a, it's a, it's a promise. When you accepted Jesus Christ, you surrender all. You, I need you, Lord. I don't want you to just save me from going to hell. I want you to be the Lord of my life. So he becomes king of kings and Lord of lords. In John 14, 15 through 16, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. It's the Holy Spirit that abides in each and every one of us. So when we're facing trouble and we're going through hard times and we think that nobody understands, guess what? Maybe people don't understand. But God does. But maybe if you learn to open up and share with your brothers and sisters, amen, so that we can come along, amen, and encourage you, instead the enemy wants to isolate you. And Ephesians 2.8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. You see, we don't deserve salvation, but he saw fit to send his son Jesus Christ to die for us, for you and for me. He came to fulfill the predictions of the prophets who had long foretold that a Savior would one day appear, and that is exactly what the Old Testament is all about. It's always pointing to that direction. Amen. That he is alive and well. But the last, time, the last person we talk to many times is Jesus, or God, through his son Jesus. Amen. We complain, we bicker, we criticize, we gossip. We, we say our one-minute, two-minute prayer while we're driving for protection because we saw an accident. That's when it reminds us to do that. I can't be the only one. In 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, it says, But you, I love this passage, but you are a chosen generation. We are a blessed people. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. See, in the scripture before that, Peter's talking to the believers. You can leave that passage up. In in, in verse 8, Peter's talking to the believers about how Christ is the capstone, the foundation of the house of God. The world did not receive him. They stumbled over him because it's intended to be that way. You're going to keep stumbling if you don't make Jesus Christ first in your life. He came like a servant when they were expecting a king. He came to suffer when they were expecting a conqueror. And as the Jews rejected him at his coming, so has the rest of the unbelieving world rejecting and stumbling over him ever since. Ever since the creation of time. But some believers fall into that same ditch. What makes you different from the world? What makes you and I different from the world? We are the salt of the earth, it says in Matthew 5. I know this is a challenge for many believers because we don't want to rock the boat sometimes. We're saying, oh, harvest, evangelize, 
That's for you, Anna. Some are more radical than others, yes, but what happens is that we don't do what, if we don't do what God says, we are rebels. We are trying to avoid even, there are radical Christians, but there are Christians that try to avoid the offense, okay? So what happens? They compromise. My husband can tell you that when I got saved, I was pretty radical. He would come over and he, he would think he was going to have a nice little treat, he's smoking and drinking in my household. I would put signs, if you want to drink and smoke in my house, you better go to your own. All they had to do was read it, because I would type it nicely in quotes and color. I'll put it there and I'll put it there. They're like, ooh, I better go, because your wife is, uh, I don't know. She coming pretty soon. Yes, he can tell you I used to do that. Because it was no more for me. I gave up the smoking cigarettes. I gave up the snorting coke. I gave up the smoking marijuana. Okay? Because I had to. Because if you know what your destiny is, you should know. So what does God require of you and I when it comes to prayer? In Matthew 5, 22, it says, But I tell you that everyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. We're so quick to easily say things that we have no business saying. See, in this passage in Matthew, Jesus is demonstrating to his listeners how the righteousness of their spiritual leaders, the scribes of Pharisees, is not enough to earn heaven. You can look spiritual all you want on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, you need to be extra careful. These leaders superficially obey and they taught the law of Moses without any... A kind of heart change because it's not what you say it's what you do if you say you love your brother and sister but you totally ignore them week after week I just wonder sometimes you can't say oh you're too sensitive oh I didn't see you oh no 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 we see each other all the time and so it's easier to love those who are lovable out in the street, we hug strangers, maybe to, not now during COVID, but anyway, we do. We are selective who we choose to serve. Amen. Amen. I see that at my job. Talk about unconscious bias. It exists. It is real everywhere. They don't like the color of your skin. They don't like the way you talk. Maybe they don't like your accent. Maybe they don't like your clothing. Um, you don't fit the script. Maybe it's your status quo. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, Republican, Democrat. We treat each other differently. I'm going to just put it out there. In James 4, 1 through 3, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? 
Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wow. Because it's all about me, me, me. You know why? I, I, I went to the store yesterday, and I, I don't like shopping, to be honest with you. Thank you. But I don't like shopping long-winded hours, just window shopping, or just buying stuff. It's pretty scary out there. People are grabbing anything and everything they can. You wonder where all the money's coming from. Times are going to get hard. Let's stop spending our money so frivolously because we want nice houses, we want nice furniture. You know why I've been getting all my stuff? Through social media. I, 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 don't, I don't buy new furniture anymore. I just can tell you in the last three, four years. We, we, we just don't do that. Okay? So it's okay. Goodwill is fine too. But you know what? To each his own, right? We say so be it. If you can afford it, just buy it. But I just think it's, it's a waste. Okay? Heaven and earth shall pass away. But his word shall never pass away. I believe that we've been getting warning after warning after warning, and we can see all the signs. It is chaos out there. You know, I went to the Louis Palau luncheon the other day, and we met some of my brothers and sisters there. And his son, I believe his name is Mark. Andrew. I don't know where I got Mark. Maybe somebody else in the ministry is Mark. But anyway. He, he weeps when he talks about his, his father, Louis Palau, who just died recently. Because he says that even though he was lost in the world for approximately 11 years doing his thing and involved in so much stuff, his parents were so kind. He said they were so kind that when they invited me, I would just go because they were so kind. Have you ever met any, any kind people in this world? They're, they exist. Yes, but there's something special about being kind to one another. Amen? It demonstrates patience and love. Amen? So when he weeps about the lost, dying world, that, that's how I get. That's how I get when I get before my God and you don't know what to pray for because you think prayer is boring and you can't think, oh my Lord, we can't think about what to pray for. If you moan and groan and just pray in the spirit, the Lord will reveal to you to pray. How many of you know your neighbor's names? I'm not just talking about the one that looks like you. The one that you connect with, that you went to party with. I knew Susie, Jamaican sister right across the street. I know Nancy, Brazilian woman across the street. I know my Italian 
friends, Eddie and Betty, alongside of me. I know my, I can't think of her name, but I know her down the corner, okay? She's from Peru. So I'm, I'm happy to live in a, a diverse, okay, community with dogs. <laughs> my dogs know every dog in the whole district. So just know that he requires us to love. Amen? He says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through uh, 2, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become surrounding brass or a changing or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Yes. Brothers and sisters, you can look good getting involved in every ministry, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. Agape is the word used for love in the chapter uh, 13 of Corinthians. And it's described here and throughout the New Testament as divine. Love is divine. It's unconditional. It's self-sacrificing. It's thoughtful love. It's carefully choosing your words before they slip out your mouth and you make a mistake that you can't take back. Right? Because sometimes what we say is what's really in our heart. And we'll say, oops. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, it says, For Christ's love compels us. It controls us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I'm going to repeat that because I want to break it down. For Christ's love controls us. You, if it doesn't control you, it needs to control you. Yes. It needs to compel you, amen, to make, create change, even if it's an impact this small, because we all have faith as small as a mustard seed. And you can say to that mountain, move, and it shall move, amen, if you believe. But I'm talking about love. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Jesus died for all of us, and therefore all died. You see, when I came to Jesus Christ, I was crucified with him, my own nature. Amen? So that how can I, when I no longer, okay, and part of that old self, live any longer that they're in? If my old self is crucified with the, with, at the cross with Jesus Christ, why do I keep doing what I'm doing? We're like Peter. The things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, I want to do. Why? Because we need to pray more. We need to soak ourselves in the word of God. They go hand in hand. They're two main ingredients 
to have a prosperous, successful Christian walk. And he died for all that those who live shall no longer live for themselves. That's love. Because I no longer live for me, I live for him. Our firm decision is to work, um, you know, when Jesus Christ died for everyone, it's like he put everyone on the same boat. None of us was left out. Like, think of it, Noah's Ark, right? Because he loved us. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't love me more than you, sister. He doesn't love me more than you, brother. He loves us all the same. We are equal in God's eyes. Our struggle is our flesh. We don't know how to treat people the same. We treat one better than the other. And it's not about the status quo. My Lord, have mercy. We need to get it. We need to understand that we need to demonstrate love the same way to all. In Luke 19, 41, I know I didn't ask you to put that up, but when he, it says, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. When Jesus came from the Mount of Olives for that short remainder of his travel to Jerusalem, the Bible talks about that national, national calamity would now occur instead of peace. Why? Because of their unbelief. And they rejected the Messiah. And I believe that wholeheartedly that that's the way Jesus looks at the world even today. And he weeps over it. He weeps every time we sin too. Because sin separates us from God. And as we read earlier in Matthew 9.36, so many people are helpless today. And we forget about the mission. Our mission. They're rambling about psychotic issues, drug issues. I get it. Listen, I'm not asking you to rescue them. But are you praying for them? Because sometimes when you're praying for them, God will put them before you so that you can do something about it. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we're good. We're, we're quick to pass judgment. I went to CVS not too long ago. Sometimes you think because you live in the North End, with, you know, we're not going to see what happens in the East End, but it's everywhere. It's in Shelton. It's everywhere. And I saw this, this, this young man. I mean, he looked fairly decent. He was dressed okay. He had a big backpack. And he asked me for money. And I said, what do you want money for? I always stop to talk to them. What do you want money for? Everybody stops in their car and looks at me like, is that girl really talking to him? Yes, Santa Cruz is talking to him. And he said he wanted um, some Chinese food. See, I asked the question, and when he said that, I said, oh, you're being picky now. I felt bad after I said that. And I looked at the time and I said, ooh, I got a Zoom meeting. I got to go, but I'll be back. And I tell you, my Zoom meeting took approximately an hour and a half. And I didn't show up till two hours later, hoping and praying to God that he was there. 
Let me tell you, I did some broccoli, I had some chicken on the side, I had some white rice, I made it look like Chinese, okay? <laughs> I had the black, uh, a little plastic bowl and the lid and I put it together. I had a spoon, fork and knife in the plastic container at home. I slapped that right on there like I just bought it from the Chinese store, ready to go. And you know what? I pulled up to that parking lot at CVS and I was so happy, God is my witness that he saw me, he didn't know what kind of car I was driving, number one. I pulled down the window, because you're tinted, and I said, hey, did you think I forgot about you? When he came over to grab that bag of food, I, you could tell I had a neighbor that I took with me, that I'm just getting to know, right, the angel and I are getting to know. She said, did you see him? He's about to ready to cry. I said, I know, I'm about to cry right now too. Like he was so grateful. People are hungry. And people are going to continue to be hungry. And we're going to see more of that. So get ready, church. Amen. They're lost without direction and focus. And Jesus' compassion is remarkable, and he wants to demonstrate it through us. He's able to heal, to restore, even forgive because of his love for the people. So do you believe? Do you believe he's able? Are you able to do that? Are you willing to do that? Oh, good. I'm glad that yes didn't get lower and lower. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes, you, you, you're able. God is able. And you have to be willing, because it's not about you. It's about the other people that are lost, that are going to go to hell if they die without knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. In Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20, he said, I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live and your descendants by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days. What are we going to do for the rest of our lives? What kind of legacy are we going to leave? I don't want to just say that I was part of the love team or that I was the elder's wife. Okay? But somebody... Somebody is going to be touched by you. Amen? Because you're going to make an impact in their lives. Amen? And that'll be their testimony, like I stand here today, in honor of Ralph Procopio, whose birthday happens to be in November. He died right before his birthday. I'm just going to close. I just believe that there's somebody here that needs a touch from God. There's somebody here that yearns, that cries, that wants to change like I wanted to change. And the only way that I could was through Jesus. The only way I can is through Jesus. In those moments, talk about anger. Lord, God delivered me through a ministry called Agape Prayer Ministry. Amen? Amen? He showed me that I needed to choose, my choose to forgive my dad. Guess what? Even after he died, 
because it was familiar territory. And I didn't know how to control myself. But you know what? You've got to get into the word. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I should not sin against thee. When we are saturated in the word of God, amen, we are able to fulfill his word. But we are walking around weaklings, reacting to everything that comes our way, reacting to gossip, reacting to somebody's message that we saw on television. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you whether that person is innocent or guilty. Okay? Live your life according to the word of God. So I'm just going to ask you to just pray some music really low and, and our prayer warriors, if you don't mind coming up. Amen. We'd like to pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. God has been calling some of you to give it up. God has been calling you to get closer to the master. But we'll have excuses till our last breath. We're too busy. We know it all. We don't like anyone telling us what to do. God wants to be in control of your life. There is freedom in knowing Christ. There's no shame, no guilt. Amen. You can be vulnerable before God. Let him know. We all need Jesus. Jesus.